Hey, you're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show, and I appreciate you all listening. You can call or text, get involved with the conversation, 570-883-0098. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. Uh, before I dive into what I had planned to talk next, I'm, I'm just seeing this breaking out of the New York Post where the owner of the bus in the fatal school crash on 84 in Orange County, just over the Pennsylvania border, they were going from Farmingdale, Long Island, to a Pennsylvania band camp, uh, was cited for multiple federal violations and on a list of unacceptable operators. Again, that's just the headline. I really didn't dive into it next, but it's aggravating when you see things that are so avoidable. And I believe, you know, several of those youth are still in critical condition in hospitals. They had the two deaths, the band director and a former teacher. Uh, it's just a tragic loss to that entire community where they had, I believe, three buses coming with their with their drill team, their band, their cheer squad, you know, everything was coming out to go to this band camp and uh you know such tragic incident like that from an organization that you know was cited for multiple federal violations and on a list of unacceptable operators so we'll see where that investigation leads and uh we'll keep us uh, up to date on that because uh you know it, it's not something that's just isolated to uh new york a New York school district in this, you know, buses like this, companies like this are used all over America to transport our children, to transport, you know, of all ages, from elementary, high school, junior high school, middle school. You know, they use buses like this on trips all the time. So it's something we need to to monitor, and I'm sure there's going to be some kind of uh, federal interdiction on something like this if they were on the radar but were able to operate anyway. Here closer to home, And we talked about it here when the Lackawanna County commissioners decided to dive into become protectors of people who are criminally charged, employees of Lackawanna County who are criminally charged, and pay for legal fees and uh, surround the wagons and give words and statements of support of people who are alleged. They are not convicted yet. They are alleged of these crimes from the Lackawanna County Office of Youth and Family Services. But it was a very unusual situation for the county to get involved in their legal defense. You know, once you're charged with a crime, it is up to you as the individual, as an employee, to uh, seek your legal representation. But the county, again, decided to circle the wagons and, and protect those who are alleged to have committed these crimes of not servicing our youth and leaving them to be endangered in dangerous situations and negligence and a whole bunch of other things. Well, I said then, the DA said, legal experts said, um, legal professors said that it was highly unusual for the county to uh, step into this in a defense support role by saying they'll, uh, I believe it was the first $10,000 for each and it's muddied the area and now there's a disagreement in this and now the the attorney 
or attorneys that these defendants have are in a dispute with the attorneys for the county. Because now there's a dispute, is it a county or client? A dispute is uh, signaled over who should pay expected fees for a report in the Office of Youth and Family Services criminal case. And this story is coming out from Joseph Cohort, staff writer for the Times-Tribune. And uh, it says, Lackawanna County taxpayers might foot the bill for a report penned by a longtime Office of Youth and Family Services consultant who said he reviewed a criminally accused supervisor's conduct and found she appro- appropriately performed her job. Well, you think there's a little bias there? We'll go back. Report penned by a longtime Office of Youth and Family Services consultant. So, uh, defense attorney Matthew Comerford said the bill for Richard Gold's report in support of Sadie Coyne O'Day, one of the defendants, unlikely to exceed $5,000, Comerford said will be submitted to the county for payment once he receives Gold's invoice. The county, which agreed this summer to pay $10, a $10,000 fee to Comerford and four other attorneys for representing five current and one former Office of Youth and Family Services employees faced with criminal charges, signaled late last week that they could contest payment for Gold's report if Comerford submits the invoice. If they hired an expert for all five, we'd take a look at it, Chief of Staff Brian Jeffers said, citing the county's law department. Otherwise, he said the answer is no. Gold, a former deputy secretary of the State Office of Children, Youth, and Family and longtime consultant with the county, county's Office of Youth and Family Services, provided Comerford with a report August 9th in support of COIN. The eight-page document, real in-depth report, they're eight pages, eight whole pages. I wonder if they're double-sided. Was filed amid legal wrangling before Judge James Gibbons to dismiss criminal charges Scranton police and county detectives brought in June against O'Day and four of her colleagues for child endangerment and failure to report child abuse. It is in my opinion that Ms. O'Day performed her supervisory responsibilities with acceptable professional practice and judgment and fulfilled her responsibilities under law and regulation as mandated as mandated reporter, Gold wrote. Gibbons, who heard the arguments on September 1st on defense motions to quash the case against Coyne, fellow supervisor Brian Walker, and current and retired caseworkers Amy Helkowski, Eric Krasner, and Randy, Randy Ramick, has yet to issue a ruling. Comerford said Thursday that he believed the fee agreement he signed when the county paid a retainer meant that also the county also agreed to shoulder defense costs beyond the initial $10,000 flat fee. Well, why would you think that? Comerford said Thursday that he believed the fee agreement he signed when the county paid a retainer meant that the county also agreed to shoulder defense costs beyond the initial $10,000 flat fee. So the county saying they signed an agreement saying there was a $10,000 flat fee that they agreed to for each one. Now, the attorney saying that, well, he thought that there was an agreement beyond that $10,000. According to the agreement, it is expressly understood 
Comerford Law might require additional funds beyond the retainer to cover expenses for experts, investigators, transcripts, and other needs. The client is responsible for those payments as well as the retainer, it reads. The client is O'Day, not the county, said Jeffers, the chief of staff for Lackawanna County. The county signed on her behalf. Again, I warned when this happened it was a slippery slope. I warned it was unprecedented. I warned that it was something that we shouldn't be doing as county residents, as taxpayers, as the county. And now we're signing on behalf, we, the county, is signing, signing on behalf of the defendants, signed an agreement that may not be ironclad, that holds us, the taxpayers of Lackawanna County, to possible further defense fees, costs for their defense. Comerford said he planned to review his correspondence with the county and added he might challenge the county's potential payment denial. It was my understanding that they would pay those fees, Comerford said. Comerford said he will absorb Gold's fee to keep it from going to coin if the mistake has been his. I don't want to see her get stuck with that bill, he said. County solicitor Don Fregerson's signature appears on the agreement on the line for other parties contractually responsible for payment. According to a copy of the document, attempts to reach Fregerson were unsuccessful. And again, the county agreed to pay a $10,000 flat fee to each of the attorneys representing the five defendants. Comerford on the behalf of Coyne, Robert Tricolo, and on the behalf of Walker, Terrence McDonald on the behalf of Krasner, David Sofinelli, on behalf of Holinsky, John Price, and behalf of Ramick. Their agreements generally last up to a preliminary hearing when the defense will first get cross-examined witnesses by the district attorney. This is why the experts said this was uncharted territory. It's why the experts said it was a bad idea. It's why when you are charged criminally, it's up to you to get your defense, not the county to circle the wagons to protect their people and get involved in something. I mean, they were literally in the courtroom making statements. To this day, you have someone who oversaw a failed department that ended in criminal charges. And again, they are just charges, innocent to proven guilty, who have utterly failed at running this department, can't manage it, can't get employees to work there, have employees leaving. And it's not necessarily just because of the arrests. It's because of the toxic environment that's been reported there time and time again. How come a neighboring department that does the exact same work has been able to increase staff while in Lackawanna County we haven't if everything's working fine as this consultant said and these people were doing their job well how come the, the state downgraded their licensing there's a lot going on here and as representatives of the taxpayers of Lackawanna County these commissioners have fell asleep at the wheel and not only in this case, but giving the person in charge more duties with this new Department of Health. Same old, same old in Lackawanna County, but you know what? We want to talk about the state. We want to talk about our senators. We want to talk about Washington. We want to talk about all these things, but look at what's going on right here in our county, in Lackawanna County. And I know it's only a portion of the listeners out there. But I, I know from the messages and everything I get from Luzerne County, you know, there's not much difference. We need to start paying attention 
to what's in front of us. And what's in front of us is our counties, our school boards, our city councils, our mayors. That's who we need to start paying attention to. And then we can multitask and do everything else. But we can't brush aside these for the, the, these types of incidents. The fact that you have a lame duck ca- commissioner panel where none of which may be sitting there come a year. Doing the status quo, possibly costing us tons of money. I mean, I watched the last uh, county council meeting, commissioner's meeting, and they were they were solidifying contracts out to 2028. Tying the hands of future commissioner boards. It's just unacceptable. And that's when they show up. You know, and, you know, a little pet peeve of mine. 9-11 Memorial for Lackawanna County. Not a single active Lackawanna County commissioner was there. They don't care. They want to ride off into the sunset to whatever sweet gig they got lined up. They're done doing the work of the people. So you know what? Step out of the way and let other people do the work then. It's 422 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And thank you, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Data Internet. You have some slowing, anyone northbound above Waverly due to road work. Construction's causing a few delays on North River Street in Plains as well. But the good news is no reports of any accidents, no major backups at the moment. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. W-I-L-K traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Today, cloudy with showers possible, high 60. Tonight, cloudy, low 52. Tuesday, a.m. rain showers, partly sunny in the afternoon, high 65. Wednesday, mostly sunny, high 68. Thursday, mostly sunny, high 68. It's currently 59 degrees and cloudy here at your official weather station, W-I-L-K. Woo! With the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It is 427, 59 degrees and cloudy out there. Um, you can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Somebody says, I always push WILK to cover local issues anyway. Well, I do. Each day I try to throw in a couple of local issues, talk about them more. This is not something I'm going to give up because uh, you know, when there's incompetence at the helm, it stems issues like we've had. So we need to stay on top of it, call them out. And it's interesting how the people who are supposed to oversee the people who are overseeing the people don't care. And they know who they are. And not only that, they're expanding their responsibility, which is going to even uh, be worse for us. So uh, I saw this story that caught my eyes. Uh, you know, I look at these stories kind of sideways a little bit, but the FBI is being sued after they allegedly lost hundreds of thousands in rare coins during a raid. So I I looked through the story and read through it and everything like that, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, is this kind of a he said, she said, but when you don't follow procedure, when you cut corners, which it appears the FBI did in this case, it opens up yourself to issues like this. You know, two Americans are alleging the FBI lost or stole their property after seizing it in a shady process. All we know is that their property was in a box and a safe before the FBI broke into the box, said the attorney, 
with the nonprofit law firm Institute for Justice. Once the FBI broke into the box, we honestly don't know exactly what happened. Now, this goes back to a, a raid of a safe deposit box company back in March of 2021. Now, they were looking at the company. They weren't looking at the people that had safe deposit box there. So the FBI raids this private vault, it's called. It's, it's, it's a bank, but it just has safe deposit box. And Beverly, Hill, a Beverly Hills-based company called Private Vaults, U.S. Private Vaults, in March of 2021. They first said, oh, let me go back. Uh, after prevailing in court and the FBI agreeing to return the property that was seized from the safe deposit box, because these people came forward and says, hey, we got nothing to do with why you raided this place. We just had safe deposit box there. It's our stuff inside there. You seized everything. We want our stuff back. And they had to go to court to get their stuff back. And again, even though the warrant targeted the corporation itself, U.S. private vaults in Beverly Hills, not each individual. Each individual box holder weren't even named in the warrant. So after they prevailed in court and won to get their property back, they discovered some of their property was missing and suspect the FBI haphazard raid or sticky fingers are to blame. There's literally no explanation, Pearson said. I think one of... uh, I think you have to assume that's the simplest explanation. And I think, unfortunately, the sim- sim- simplest explanation is they took it or lost it. And, and that makes sense. So one of, the, one of the box owners, a 79-year-old retired silver servant, kept cash and 110 gold coins worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in his box to safeguard his financial security. He has records going back that throughout his career, now again, a 79-year-old retired civil servant, and they say, oh, my God, he's got 110 gold coins. He's got records that he invested in gold throughout his career, especially uh, when he sold his home. He took some of the, the money that he sold and downgraded his living environment and bought gold with it, which a lot of people do. He invested in the precious metals with the proceeds after he and his wife sold their Malibu home in 2002. So he's got records going all the way back to 2002 and even before that he bought these gold coins for his future, for his retirement. Pearson and her husband, Michael Stork, similarly rented a security box in 2017 as a financial safeguard, storing around $20,000 in silver and $2,000 in cash. Neither... Melanin or Perez were charged with a crime. So neither of these safe deposits box owners were charged with anything. They had to go to court to get their stuff back. They win in court and they say, okay, the FBI's got to give their stuff back. The FBI had been investigating U.S. private vaults, which shut down following the raid and ultimately pled guilty to conspiracy to launder drug money. In turn, there were innocent customers that were there who had safe deposit box. I mean, I don't know how many of you out there have safe deposit box. I have one. You know, we, we use it to store some of our stuff that we don't want to store at the house. It's as simple as that. Um, after the SBI, FBI seized their property along with 1,400 other customers, they received a notice stating the FBI wanted to keep their property through a process known as civil forfeiture. 
So even though they weren't named and this company who had the vaults, they wanted to keep all the property. Well, they go to court, they, they, they win, and they get some of their stuff back, but in one that was minus the gold coins, 110 gold coins, and the other one was minus some of the silver. After pushing the FBI, they came back and gave half the gold coins and says, well, that's all there was. So where do you stand? I mean, first they said there was no gold coins whatsoever. Then they find half of them. And now they say, well, that was it. They were supposed to videotape the raid and opening of these boxes. They didn't. So kind of makes the FBI look in bad light. We'll let you decide where it goes from there. But it's in court now as they're trying to get the rest of their gold coins. It is uh, 434 here at WILK, running behind on the news with Paul Michaels. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's the point of the show where we honor our heroes across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 86 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day throughout history. Um, five of them from here in Pennsylvania. First, we're going to start with Patrolman Walter Michael Davis Sr., the Tynecum Township Police Department of Pennsylvania in 1956 was killed in an automobile accident at the intersection of 4th Avenue and Governor Prince Boulevard while on patrol. Next, we have uh, Assistant Chief of Police Thomas Krokowski, Luzerne Borough Police Department in 1929, was shot and mortally wounded in the early morning hours of September 24th, 1929, when he and two other officers were attempting to arrest a man who had just burglarized three houses in the borough. Next, we have Patrolman uh, Thomas Henry Hughes, Williamsport Borough Police in Pennsylvania, 1906, died from pneumonia, resulting in injuries received nine days earlier after responding to a fight in a local bar. Police officer John Donovan, Philadelphia Police Department in 1903, was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a robbery suspect. And uh, Superintendent Hillary Baker, Philadelphia Police Department in 1798, died as a result of contracting yellow fever during an outbreak in the city. As the citizens fled the city due to the outbreak, Superintendent Baker stayed to assist the watchman he was in charge of and gave aid to those affected. While doing so, he became ill and contracted the disease himself. And I also want to give a mention to something that was just posted on social media, the untimely passing of Scranton Fire Inspector Joe Hoban. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Scranton Fire Department, Scranton Police Department, who worked very close with their fire inspector, and the entire Hoban family. So our thoughts and prayers go out to you. It is 4.42 here at WILK. It's time for traffic and weather. And thank you very much, Rob. This traffic update, this Pentella data traffic update is brought to you by Renegade Roofing. We nail it. It is very jammed up right now on 81 northbound at Waverly as you head through construction. Also, road work causing you to be delayed quite a bit now on River Street in Plains. Other than that, we have no reports of any accidents. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, cloudy, low 52. Tuesday, 
Morning showers, partly sunny in the afternoon, high 65. Wednesday, mostly sunny, high 68. Thursday, mostly sunny, high 68. It's currently 59 degrees and cloudy at 443 at your official weather station, WILK. Here with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It is uh, 447 here at the station in Pitts and 59 degrees and cloudy. Well, let's see what we have in history today. Today is National Daughters Day. So uh, if you haven't spoken to your daughters today, if you haven't reached out to them, please do that before the end of the day. Tell them you're thankful for them, you love them, and that you're proud of them. And uh, it's a great day to, to recognize our daughters. I am proud to have uh, two of my own daughters and now a, a great daughter-in-law. So uh, multiplying the family, it's always a good thing. Today is also... Uh, no, we shouldn't say this too loud for Jake because he'll get all excited. It's National One-Hit Wonder Day, Jake. National One-Hit Wonder Day. See Give what me you, some ideas. See, see what you can dig up in there. <laughs> um, it's National Comic Book Day. It's World Pharmacist Day. So all the pharmacists out there, um, you know, I appreciate you. You do a lot of unsung hero work out there. God, we know that. Uh, it's Psychotherapy Day. Probably could all use a little bit of that. Like I said, it's National Daughters Day. It's uh, National Quesadilla Day. National Lobster Day. I, I'd go with the lobster. I, know, I like quesadillas too. Family Day. Eat a, Family Day, a day to eat dinner with your kids. They need a day for that? Isn't that supposed to be like every day? And, of course, it's Yom Kippur. So our thoughts go out to all those celebrating that uh, holiday. We can also see... Uh, what we have in uh, today in history, in September 25th and 1789, the U.S. Congress passes 12 amendments to the United States Constitution. In September 25th of 1957, Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, is integrated by the use of uh, United States Army troops. 1997, Space Shuttle Atlantis, STS-86, launched from NASA's Kennedy Space Center on its way to dock with the Russian Mir Space Station. Just looking to see what the saying is today. Uh, William Faulkner. Never be afraid to raise your voice for honesty and truth and compassion against injustice and lying and greed. If people all over the world would do this, it would change the earth. And that's, again, from William Faulkner. It's a great quote for the day. And you can call or text at 570-883-0098. Um, there was a couple of things. Somebody said, uh, well, I guess if you can answer me, you're hearing me, but somebody said they're not, their WILK went out in Nanticoke City. Said it hadn't been back, Jake. Uh, I don't know if it's an isolated thing. I don't think it's widespread or else we'd get more issues on it, but something to know. Uh, somebody also said leaving New York City two weeks ago, taking uh, their kids to a Yankee game, the sign coming out of the city into New Jersey said, uh, if you said suspected uh, suspect terrorism 
call this number. If you suspect terrorism, call this number. Yeah, that sign, I think it was in a couple of places. I think they, they remotely can send out what they say. Um, concerned a lot of people. And again, I have not heard of anything, and I have um, my ear to that grindstone with uh, at least what's going on in the tri-state area, and I get a pretty good heads up of other things nationally. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'll be down in Annapolis this weekend to see some football down there on Saturday, hopefully. I think my wife has a special ops uh, workout plan with her gym that's going to push everybody to the limits. I'm glad I'll be out of town because I don't don't need a special ops workout. But uh, something, and I'm just reading through some text messages now. Apologize to that. Somebody said uh, the uh, notification about the armory doing its drill on Wednesday should go out on the emergency broadcast system. No, I I don't think it raises to that. Uh, They've put it out in the media. They let people know. Just like in New York City now when they have low-flying aircraft, especially military aircraft, they put out alerts just letting people know. I know the phones can do something that's not quite an emergency alert system, but kind of just give you a heads up something's going on. But... We talked about it here. I'm sure the media is going to talk about it. We'll talk about it again before Wednesday. But Wednesday, if you didn't pay attention earlier, there will be a force readiness drill at the Armory in Scranton, General Dynamics, to make sure they're prepared if and anything happens. Somebody uh, texted in with, uh, with all the threats coming into our nation. You know, it's not a matter if but when. I, I hope to God you're not right. I suspect it may be. And again, not for the overwhelming, if you just take a small percentage of a percentage of everyone who's come in, the millions of people, and just 11,000 have come in in the last 24 hours. Uh, we have 75,000 national security threats that they know of that they've stopped coming in, and uh, 160 people on a terrorist watch list coming in. Uh, I saw a special from, uh, and I'm, I'm going to look to get him on, Gordon Chang, who's an expert on China saying that there are Chinese sleepers across this nation that are well uh, ready to sabotage at, at a moment's notice. And we've seen signs of it. We've seen signs of, of that happening where you have Chinese police stations in our largest city that are surveilling people and harassing people and going after people and um, openly known by our federal government, and they've, they've not done much to uh, curtail it. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here, but... We cannot keep up this unsustainable influx of just everyone. And again, just the ones we're catching. And I got an interesting story about the Venezuelans that they're giving work permits to that are going to open a lot of eyes. And I'm getting the rest of the details on it, and I don't want to put it out there until I get the rest of the details. But it shows how the system is being gamed already, how these Venezuelan migrants are subcontracting their working permit to people who don't have authority to work from other nations who weren't granted that status for a 50% cut. And that's what's going on in a lot of these places. Not everyone. I'm not saying it's everyone. But if it's happening in 5%, if it's happening in 1%, you're talking about tens of thousands of people because millions have come in. It's uh, 454 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It is 457, almost the top of the hour just yet. 59 degrees and cloudy outside. Well, it looks like at least some of the strikes are nearing an end. The Writers Guild 
and studios have reached a tentative deal, potentially ending a months-long strike that ground Hollywood to a halt. But the Actors Guild is still on strike, so you know at least we'll get the writing going, and then hopefully that'll shore up before the actors uh, can go back to work. Need some new uh, material out there. So it'll be interesting to see here. It doesn't... Uh, so the tentative agreement was Sunday after days of marathon negotiating sessions. The Writers Guild of America said Sunday evening, paving the way forward for the historic work stoppage that has frozen the production and paralyzed much as Hollywood. Doesn't say what they got. So, uh, looking through the article here. But the SAG Actors Guild with 160,000 actors are still on strike, like I've said. Yeah, it doesn't say, uh, doesn't say uh, what they what what the conclusion was, what the what they received, what they gave up, what was there, which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. I mean, these these negotiations are better done in private for the benefit of the members and the studios that they're dealing with. But at least that's one down. Not that this probably affects us the least. As far as anything we deal with as Americans, I mean, the auto worker strike is probably going to affect us a lot more if it doesn't come to a conclusion. And our, it, it actually looks like it's expanding. More people of the auto workers have been off, ordered to go on strike. It looks like they've made some progress with Ford, and we're going to talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. But um, still no end in sight. And, of course, you have the politicians going up there for their, uh, for their photo ops. You had uh, AOC there today posting her video or yesterday posting her videos saying how she was there in solidarity with the workers. I don't know how many United Auto Workers there are in New York State or her district, but you know, it's a photo op nonetheless. So there she is, ranting and raving. It's five o'clock here on WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell show in just a minute. 